Grinders! Welcome to the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. And this is the show where we talk a little bit about uh, yesterday's slate, review some strategy stuff, talk about today's slate a little. We got we got some weather weather to deal with today. I think I think there's a there's a bunch of weather spots that we may not know about until a bit later. But uh, I'm always in the YouTube chat with you folks. I see Mr. Uh, Charles McSorley, Frederick Dute, Suki Singh, Daniel Hutchings, Tony P, Zach Cobbs, Max Coach One, Zupocalypse. You know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold in the morning. It's nice. It's nice and cold. Just got it out of the fridge. Keep it there for the the next uh, 45, 50 minutes, whatever. Amount of time. Go over what's going on today. Yesterday, yesterday started out well. Yesterday started out well and did did it didn't end well. Okay, uh, yesterday uh, was interesting strategically because of the two postponed games. Because actually, the two games that got postponed were the games that were were set to be the most popular games. Right, we had that Coors game, the Giants and the Rockies, and the Giants DraftKings just forgot the price up. Right. So so they, they were going to be pretty chalky. Right. Guys like Belt and Longoria and, you know, their outfielders and whoever there, because they were they were still like under 4K, 3K, something like that. Uh, but they, it started to snow there and cores got canceled. And then we had the Dodgers in, in Wrigley Field. Uh, Walker Bueller was still going to get some ownership, even though there was going to be wind blowing out to, to Wrigley in Wrigley. Uh, so and the Dodgers were kind of underpriced also a little bit. Maybe not bets. Bets was six thousand, but we had some Dodgers in the four K range, and and they were going to be popular. Well, that game gets gets postponed. That game gets rained out. So this this is what all happens like two hours before lock. I mean, which I'm glad. I'm glad we get we get the news early. But the question is, Vader's at all that ownership go to right? Because originally the ownership was going to go to Giants, going to the Dodgers. Well, now they're out on the slate. Then we have only two pitchers that are above like 10K, and that was Bueller, and that was Glasnow. Now, Glasnow was already going to be somewhat popular, and Bueller was maybe going to get maybe 15, 20% ownership. So where does that go? Well, the question comes in, like, what type of roster constructions could you make now? Because before, you were probably, a chalk construction would have been something like either like Glasnow-Maeda, which was the chalk pitcher combination, and then like a couple of Giants, a couple of Dodgers. Right, you had some cheap do- cheap Giants and expensive Dodgers, uh, because Maeda was underpriced also yesterday uh, for for him coming back. He hasn't pitched well uh, this year, but uh, he's a pretty good pitcher. He scored the most points. He scored twenty nine point six points yesterday. Uh, but now that Bueller's gone, like what what do you do with pitcher? Like as far as like if you don't play the chalk pitching combination, because we see here that Glass now fifty six percent. Maeda, 38%. I'm assuming Bueller would have taken something off of Glasnow, right? Okay, I'm assuming, like, ownership like Savale, like, was going to be lower. And uh, and we also got Otani was scheduled to pitch, but then he's not, right? This was a little bit earlier in the day. So Quintana was going to pitch for him. So that added another pitcher in, like, the mid-range. He only came in at 8% ownership. I had a bunch of him. Uh, I mean, he did well for two innings, had a horrible third inning, and then did well. He had nine strikeouts, but he still gave up four runs. So the question came in, like, where where, 
Where do you go a pitcher if you don't go with Glasnow Maeda? Because Glasnow was not in a good spot. Glasnow did not project well for his salary. Ballpark downgrade against an Angels team that doesn't strike out as much. Okay? Uh, obviously, he gave up like three runs in the last inning that he was in. He was, he was, he was doing well to that point. 18.7. On the grand scheme of this slate, 18.7 was, was good for raw points. Maeda, Glasnow, Kramer. The dairy creamer, that guy, Dean Creamer, he projected well. I'm surprised he only came in at 9% ownership. I thought he was actually going to be, I thought Wayne, I thought Creamer would be where Wainwright is and Wainwright would be where Creamer was. I thought Creamer would be 20% owned, not Wainwright. It worked out for me because I played, I played a ton of the Mets. So that's fine. But I would have played way more Creamer. I wouldn't have played as much uh, Seattle which I did because I thought Kramer would be would be a popular SP2 option. Daniel Lynch making his major league debut. I took a shot on him. I mean, he did okay until kind of the end. Uh, only scored 5.7, but he was 4K, right? No big deal. Then we had like Montes, Mats, like no one really did all that well. Velasquez did well. We had that game. That game was like a, a risk, a rain risk, but I didn't think it was that much so that I treated it like it, like it didn't matter, right? Philadelphia, Milwaukee. I, I, I put the bats in that game. I thought people would get scared off. Didn't didn't want the pitchers, but Velasquez did pitch well. Uh, Dane Dunning got fifteen point seven five. I don't know how he pulled that one off. Uh, but the key was is like, okay, where does everyone go, and how do you take advantage of that? So the pitching, it's like, it was very hard. I I built one hundred twenty five lineups yesterday. I I still had sixty percent class now. I I didn't want I didn't want it. I wanted to build lineups without glass now, but it was hard not to because from a raw points perspective, where are you spending your money? Where, you, where, where is it? You play Maeda at like what? 7,800, whatever he was. And then what? If you play Daniel Lynch at 4,000, then okay, you're spending up at bats. How many lineups can you build like that? I didn't think Montes was all that appealing. I think Savali was overpriced. I played a bunch of mats. That didn't really work out. Like Quintana was 7K. Like where where are you spending the money just to get raw points? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. You could leave 4,000 on the table. Yeah, of course you can. So where are you spending raw points? Because you don't have bets. You don't have the Rockies on the, on, the, on the slate anymore. Harper and Hoskins were out for the Phillies, right? Where are you spending the money? I mean, like what, what? And, and, and Tatis and Machado were chalk. But that's the main reason. Like, okay, where are you going to spend your money? Well, Padres. Padre stack was a higher owned stack, not the chalk, chalk, chalk. I mean, like no one was really that chalk. The twins came in chalky. Like people paid up for Byron Buxton. He didn't project wealth for his salary. I think he's at 6,100 or whatever. People didn't. And then Trout is there, but people are playing glass now against him. So you're not spending money on Trout. So where's the money going? Jose Ramirez, right. You're paying up for that, right? Buxton for no reason. Right, Arenado at third base. You're paying up Goldschmidt. Like you see a Rosarina. Like you, you just had you had the salary, but you had to be aware of that when you're building your lineups. Just because you have the salary, everyone else has the salary also. So in order for me to build lineups that had maybe cheaper stacks or off the board stacks, I had to play Glasnow. My eight, I just had to play Glasnow. Just pay 10k and whatever. Hope I get hope I get enough raw points, which it worked out to be that way. But the twins, the twins actually came in way higher on than I thought. I didn't play that much of them anyway. 
the Rays a little bit, right? Really, the, but the two teams, the, the, the three teams that I played the most of were the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Blue Jays. In Slate IQ, they were, the, they were the highest positive leverage stacks. And, and the, from the ownership, I was happy with it. Absolutely happy with it. Yeah, yeah, Goldschmidt and Arenado, you know, they, they were owned. But, I mean, I had stacks with, with Bader and O'Neill and Edmund and everyone around that lineup. And the same thing for the Mets. Like Alonzo, Alonzo only come in at 9% owned, and I, I thought it would be double that. Where are, you, where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your salary cap? People spend it at shortstop with Tatis, 35% owned, zero. Okay, I tried to avoid that. I still play Padres, right? I knew people would did, would put in Alex Carroll off. He's still underpriced. So making twin stacks with him, okay, that made sense, but a lot of people did that. I didn't know how owned Quintana was going to be, so I didn't know if the Tampa Bay stack would be relevant enough for leverage. But it turns out that the Mets were. It turns out with Wainwright being the third highest owned pitcher, Actually, I just, I, I walked into a good spot. I didn't, I was playing the Mets regardless of Wainwright's ownership. If I knew Wainwright was 19% owned, I would have played the same amount of Mets. Right? I wasn't playing Lucchese. So yes, Cardinals, Mets. And they were fine for a while. And then just the last three or four innings, really no one did anything. When Ben Rortvet is 9% on the Twins, I mean, yeah, he's the chief catcher. Like you could visualize these constructions that people are going to do. It's like Glasnow, Maeda, Machado, Tatis, and then press the optimize button. It's like whatever stack fits in like that, that's 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 what you're going to get. But that means you're going to pay up for Buxton because you have the money. If you're not playing playing Tatis, you're probably playing Buxton. Who else in the outfielder was even, when the outfield was even over 5K on this slate? That wasn't Trout. Because you could have played Trout, but you're not going to play Trout against Glasnow. So we saw Trout's ownership. Seven percent on a slate where you had the salary to see trout at seven percent, pretty low. But the main thing that you had to consider yesterday was what happens when both those games get postponed, and what what do you how do you believe the field is going to react not just to that but also that first game on the slate the the Philadelphia Milwaukee game that you know that that wasn't safe and then it started to rain in the eighth inning and then it didn't want to rain. I treated it as it, it didn't, it, it wasn't going to rain, hoping that the field would be scared of it because that condenses ownership even more. So I played Milwaukee stacks. I played Phil, I played Philadelphia stuff, even with their warped down lineup, right? I have Roman Quinn in, in, in two lineups and he's, he's 0.4% on. Okay. Give it to me on an eight game slate now. Sure. Give it to me. But that's the key. That, that was the key to yesterday. How, do you believe the field is going to react? It's easy. It's easier to project ownership when everything's available. And it's okay. But now that it's, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes before lock, and it's like, well, this game's off the slate. And this other game went off the slate, you know, went off the the board an hour before that. Where are people going to go? Because there wasn't like one highly projected spot. Yesterday, it was the Giants and the Dodgers, but they're both gone. Those were the highest projected places. The Padres kind of were ne- kind of were next against Tyler Anderson, who had like five innings of no hit ball. And then from there, it's like a lot of evenness. We looked at if you looked at the bat yesterday, the the 
point projections stack wise of all the stack of most of the stacks of, of, of there were 16 teams. I think 12 out of the 16 teams were within like five total points of each other. If you look on slate IQ, the winning percentages is very similar. But you know, people are irrational. So, oh, this is a good uh, San Diego and Mil- and Minnesota. It's like, yeah, well, well, how about the Cardinals? How about the Mets? How about the Blue Jays? Well, the Blue Jays are getting a ballpark downgrade. So, how owned are they going to be? Bichette? You have, people paid up for, for Tatis, but not Bichette. Is Tatis a better play? Of course he is. Against Tyler Anderson versus Bichette against Montes. But that look at the difference. 9% ownership versus 35% ownership. So why not play, why not play Guerrero? Also. Well, you're overpaying. Yeah, you're right, you're overpaying. But you look at feelings here. Compare their ownership to the Padres ownership to the Twins' ownership. That's really what you're thinking about. Because you, you had the money. And if you're, if you're playing non-Glasnow lineups, you have all the money in the world. There's no other pitchers worth paying you. Savali's, uh, you could pay 8900 for him. I didn't. Then he had Wainwright, and I wasn't playing him. So it's like, if I'm making, I'm making lineups that are like Maeda and Max. And Max was like, what, 7800 or something? And then if... Do, if it's a contrarian stack, I'm playing Tatis in my shortstop spot. Okay. But if not, like, where am I going? How do I fill that shortstop spot in a stack? And I have, I have plenty of salary to spend. Well, the Blue Jays, right? Paul DeJong, right? If we take a look at shortstop here, right? You had Cleveland, but I was playing Lynch, so I didn't play Cleveland. Lindor, yeah, I had plenty of Lindor, who, why is he getting paid $300 billion? I don't know. Polanco is part of the twin stack, which which is is insane. Here's how you could tell that people are are playing two chalky constructions. Tatis is thirty five percent owned. Kirilov is twenty one percent owned. So what people are doing are building stacks and then playing those guys as one offs. Because with how owned the Twins were, there's no reason that a Jorge Polanco, who is eligible at both middle infield positions, was only 4% owned. It doesn't make sense. This is what you should be exploiting. Did he project all that well? No. But if you're playing a twin stack, why are you playing a twins, a Terrelloff twin stack with Tatis at shortstop? You're playing a chalky stack with, with Buxton. You're playing Buxton, Tatis, Kirilov, why? We took a, take a look at that ownership. Like that, that's the most common construction. You're playing Glasnow Maeda with a Kirilov Tatis Buxton lineup with a twin stack. Welcome to Chalk City. Well, I mean, that's uh, why. Now, did I think the Twins was gonna be, were going to be as high owned? No. I still think Kirilov was going to be fifteen percent owned. I mean, I, it's not like they were going to be not owned. They, they were going to be low owned. But you have to visualize the lineups. You have to visualize what, what constructions could fit in. If I play a twin stack, it makes the most sense to play Kirilov and Buxton and Cruz and Arias, you know, something like that. And then it's like, oh, then now I can pay a first to Tisa shortstop, right? Right? You play Tommy Pham as a one-off or something like that. You play, you play, uh, 
Even on on the on the Twins, you don't. Uh, we have Donaldson at third base. So like how much? How much? Uh, how old was Donaldson? Right, seven percent. When Karoloff and Buxton and Arias are all 15, 16, 21 percent owned. The twin stacks, what five man twin stacks weren't as owned as it looked like because of the other ownership on the team. If you built the lineup with the T's Karoloff and Buxton in it, like what and Machado, you're doing it like a, a five, two, one twins with Glasnow and Maeda. Like, well, welcome, welcome to. Welcome to you holding hands with a lot of lineups in that contest. You're going to need some outlier results from the other guys in, in your lineup, whoever that one-off is. Is it the best projected lineup? Yes. I'm not disputing that. Is it the lineup most likely to win $50,000 for first place? Absolutely not. That's what you're aiming for, large field GPPs. You're aiming in any GPPs. You're aiming for first place. But I understand if you didn't if you didn't know that was going to be the chalk and trucks. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't have either. Would I have thought that 16.8% of the field was going to pay up for Byron Buxton? No. <laughs> I didn't. I thought maybe it'd be 8% though, right? I thought, I, the twin stack wouldn't have him in it. It would have Cruz in it instead. What was Cruz's ownership? 10%. Well, whatever. It's, it's close enough. We can see the one-offs right here, like the Ramirez, the Rosarina, all these pay-up spots because any non-Glasnow lineup, like, look, there's 56.9% ownership, 57% ownership. So that's 43% of the field because you couldn't play Bueller, had a combined pitcher combination of, like, less than like 16K, which means you could pay for expensive stacks, which maybe this is, this is why, this is why some of these expensive players are more owned than you may have thought. We had to, th- but you have to think about that beforehand, before when you make lineups, but that's the main reason I had, I had 60% class. Going into the slate, going into the slate when, when cores and the Dodgers were on the slate, I was I was considering not even playing him at all, like just have him in zero lineups. Not just saying I would play Bueller, but then I would be able to play maybe expensive Rocky stack, some type of Rocky stack, or, or Dodgers with bets, do something like that, and then play two cheaper pitchers, Maeda and someone else. But that that was taken off the table. It's like where is everyone else going to go? And I found out that I can't make any lineups without Glass now in it because it's still it's still spending all my salary. It's it's like, okay, you got all the batters and we still have we I got I got 10k left. Do you want to just leave 2k on the table and play someone else or or what or what? I'm building five man stacks. I'm putting in three good one-offs and I still have all the money. So raw points wise, why don't I take why don't I take the best pitcher on the slate? From a from a talent perspective at least. So all you need is raw points. I just didn't think, outside of Maeda, I didn't think any pitcher was going to put up enough raw points that I think it wouldn't have mattered. Everyone was going to get 12, 15. You know, there'd be a plenty of those types of guys. He would, Glasgow wouldn't have the ceiling game, which was true. But he still had more points than most of the other pitchers. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Kevin Adams, is it possible to reserve lineups on FanDuel and then fill them with, with lineups from a CSV? 
Just build a dummy lineup and enter it into everything. I don't know why people don't do that. Don't reserve any lineups, ever. I've n- I never reserve lineups. You build a lineup, put in whoever you want. Don't b- build a lineup, just literally tap around and who cares who it fills in. Then once it's all filled in, then you enter that lineup into everything that you want. And then you download the CSV and that lineup is in all the cells for every single contest. And then you could sort the contests by whatever way you want. And then over and then cut and paste your new lineups on top of them all. I don't know how, I don't know how, what reserve lineups look like. Are they empty? I've never downloaded CFC with empty stuff in it. I've always built the lineup, dummy lineup. That's what's called a dummy lineup. Simply I go the night before. I have a lineup on FanDuel. I have a lineup on DraftKings now. And I enter all the time, all 100 contests, whatever, into that. It's the same lineup. Do I care who's in that lineup? No. I just kind of look at the slate. Who's on the slate? I don't know. Okay. Oh, the the Grom. Okay. And fit some stuff. And within 60 seconds, I'm done. And then I go and I enter all the contests that I want. And then you download the CSV and it's there. So I don't know. Farbar James. uh, Love the videos and podcasts. Is there a tool that tells what percentage of people are stacking a certain team? Yes, it's called ownership percentage. That's where you get Roto-Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. That's 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 the point of ownership projections. How, what percentage of people are stacking us? Yeah, the, the, you look at the ownership of all the players. We we have a stack percentage page on, on, on Roto-Grinders for premium members. If you're, not, if you're not running your own ownership percentages, your ownership projections, you should be somewhere where they have them that's that's how you can figure it out that's that's but it's hard it's hard to do that and you can try to do it algorithmically but it's not going to be perfect either so like i said on roto grinders we had uh dean creamer the orioles pitcher at around 20 percent owned and wainwright at 10 percent owned turned out it was the opposite Turned out more people played Wainwright, but it was primarily because we got we eliminated so many players that people were going to play on the slate. Dean Kramer was sixty one hundred. Did you need sixty one hundred? Because you were either playing him instead of Maeda in your lineup and playing Glasnow Kramer, or if you played Maeda Kramer, how do you spend all your salary? I mean, like that's what it came down to. Wainwright was at least like eight thousand in that range. He was more likely to fit into lineups. So Creamer would have been more owned on a slate with the other team, with the Dodgers still on the slate, with the with Coors still on the slate. But figuring that out is very tough. What what is the field going to do now? I don't know. Uncrabby Cabby, uh, when hey Jordan, when building 150 lineups, what's the best way to avoid clumping? Uh, there's, there's no best way. There are ways. What I tend to do uh, to clumping, meaning that you're that you're getting similar combinations to each other. So obviously, the number one thing you do is you set unique players higher, right? Like in lineup HQ, like if you if you keep it at one, that means obviously the difference between your lineups is only going to be one player. So if you if you're trying to weave together, like like on FanDuel, for instance. 
if you're trying to weave together a four four and it's only one person difference like it's going to be the same two stacks just with a slightly different guy so you can get a lot of similar combinations so you up that up to two or three depending on how many stacks you're playing at least get more diversity right you're not playing you're not playing the same one two three four from one team and one two you know three seven from the other like you're not getting the same combinations but another way to increase that is uh like on DraftKings, for instance, I'm doing five-man stacks. What, since, remember, the optimizer is just a calculator. It's solving a knapsack problem. So, for instance, I'm, I'm just making it up on this slate, right? I don't know what's going on. But let's go, let's go to a team. I'll get rid of these. I could reset projections. Didn't do anything. Okay, let's go to any. Let's go to a, t- a team that maybe does he project well. Let's see. Tampa. Tampa looks like it may come in. Tampa may be the value stack today. So let's go to Tampa. Okay. Tampa Bay. Okay, let's sort by the order. This is the projected order. So Arazarena, Meadows, Wendell, Lowe, Kiermeyer, Adames, Tsutsugo, Zanino, Phillips. Okay, a lot of lefties against Cobb. Okay. If you were to stack five of Tampa Bay and tell the op and tell tell lineup HQ, I want a five-man stack of Tampa Bay. Most likely you're gonna get Meadows. You're gonna get something like Meadows, Low, Kiermeyer. Adamas, Tsutsugo, okay? You can get a lot of lineups like this. Especially if you have no unique players, right? This is the highest projected point per dollar Tampa Bay stack, right? Because you can tell by the point per dollar value. So let's say you're building 100 lineups and you want 10 of these. Ten, You want 10 Tampa Bay stacks. Well, out of the 10 stacks, you're probably going to get all 10 of them with Austin Meadows in it. You're going to probably get like eight or nine of them with Kiermaier in it. Eight or nine of them with Adamas in it. Eight or nine with Susugo. It's like you're going to, like four at least, but like you're going to get four of them, if not all five. It's going to give you these five and then give you two different pitch, a pitcher. Or even if you put unique players three, let's say you put unique players three, you're going to get these same five and a different third baseman, a different outfielder and a different SB2 or something or a different catch, right? You're going to get something like that. Then you're going to have your 10 Tampa Bay stacks, but you didn't take a look. You just, oh, the game's on. And next thing you know, next thing you know, Joey Wendell hits it's a three-run home run, and you literally have no none of them. None of them. You have nothing. Like, but I, but I wanted to get raised stacks. Why? Stupid optimizer. Stupid tool. It's the tool's fault. Nope, it's your fault. Nope, that's user error. You have to see here that you didn't tell you didn't tell it what you wanted. So since I know that it's going to jam in because it's trying to give you as many of these F points as possible. That's what that that's what naturally is going to do that until you told otherwise. So since I know that this is going to be this is going to be the way that most of these Tampa stacks are going to be, let's say you have 10% of Tampa Bay. Okay? 
obviously these, let's say you don't even worry about the one-offs. They're going to be three mans. There's going to be whatever. Like, let's, let's put that out of the, you have to calculate a little bit extra for that. So if you're going, if you're going to have 10, you're building a hundred lineups and you're having 10 Tampa Bay stacks, 10%. Unless you want Austin Meadow in all 10%, cap them at eight. Maybe you want them in all 10, but I'm just saying, if you don't, cap them at eight. Because you're going to probably get a lot of Kiermaier, cap him at eight. So at least two of the stacks, it doesn't have Kiermaier. Two of the stacks don't have these guys. Then on these lower point-per-dollar players, make sure you get some of them. So like maybe you put a Rosarina minimum percentage, four. Wendell, minimum four. Maybe you look down here, Mizunino, minimum four or something, whatever, two. So you're getting 10 of them. So now, at least your lineups, if you want different raise stacks, will be different. If you leave it up to just whatever the most fantasy points, it'll just give you the best five more often than not. So now, now you'll get some that are a Rosarina, Meadows, Wendell, Kiermaier, Zunino. Then you get another one that's Meadows, Wendell, Lowe, Adamas, Tsutsugo. You'll get another one that's Rosarina, Meadows, Wendell, Lowe, Phillips. I mean, you'll get you'll get more different raise combinations. And they'll be at different price points. So which means that on some of some of these, when you when you're playing a Rosarina and because Wendell's 4,200 as opposed to Susogo's. 2200 that means your one-off is going to be different there's going to be a lower lower or higher priced one-off or a double stud pitcher versus a, a, a cheaper sp2 it'll give you naturally different constructions there's the reason why wendell and a Rosarina in this example aren't coming in as much is because they're a little bit overpriced i mean they're normally priced it's just that the other rays are underpriced so it's trying to give you as many of them as possible not going to give you a 6.99 projected Wendell. Most likely, Wendell won't even show up as a one-off in any of your other lineups because he's too low, lowly projected. But if he's going to bat third, third and shortstop eligible, and you're playing raid stacks, like why, why shouldn't you have Wendell? So make sure you get him if you want that. And if you said, no, I want to just X out Wendell, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But so many people don't do this. They go, they go to the stacks page. They put in their numbers. They go, give me 10%. They go to Tampa, right? They go all the way down here. Oh, I want 10, 10. Give me 10. They add them up and whatever. And they go spit them out. They go 5X or whatever the hell. Joey Wendell hits a grand slam and they're, they're, they're well, why don't I have it in Joey Wendell? How did that happen? Well, did you check? Did you check? So a lot of times I, I even do that before I even generate anything. Like what I just did right there with the, the raise. And because you have to know the percentage that you have because they, you, that's what you're calculating. Let's say on this slate, I have 20% raise. Well, no, I'd probably double these numbers, right? Do I want Meadows in all of them? No, I want them like 16 out of the 20. <coughs> Kiermaier in 16 out of the 20, right? Wendell in at least like eight of them or Rosarina in eight of them and Zanino in at least four of them, you know, like that type of thing. Right, you do something like that, and then run it and see. 
Maybe you do this and you're still getting like Adamus in all 20. And you're like, ah, okay. Do I want him in how many? Ah, 12. And then see what happens. Tetsugo, maybe in too many. You go, ah, 12. And there you go. Brandon Lowe. And you go, okay, I don't mind him at second base. Brett Phillips at the bottom of the order. I don't know how much. Maybe you get, you're, getting, you're getting 8% of him and he only wants six. Okay, so you do that. And there you go. So you're pushing up the ones that have lower point per dollars just so you get more combinations. And you're capping the ones that have high point per dollar just so they're not just jammed in literally everything you have. Then from this point, you also have to calculate like one-offs. If you're playing like 5X, it's like, well, how much of the 16% is going to be in stacks? And how much is going to be a Meadows one-off in some other stack? That's the second thing. But this is the main thing. It's like, if you're not getting the right combination of that, you, what you want, you have to tell it what you want. It's going to just jam in F, F, median F points until otherwise. So let's say, like, as an example, we'll take these away. I'm going, I'm going to do this as an example. I'm going to do 5X. I'll do 100. Okay. I'm going to go to Tampa Bay. I'm going to do 100. Just 100%. Tampa Bay, build rules. Do unique players one, number of lineups 20. For like a 20 max, right? Build 20 lineups. Let's just show you live and how it works. Okay, look. Austin Meadows, Brandon Lowe, Mike Zinino. Right? You're getting 100% of DeGrom and Lamette. Adamus in 90%. Zugo in 65%. Right? So we, we sort by team. Look, you get one Arasarina lineup. Okay? Look, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two of the Rays aren't even in your, any of your lineup. Who are those? <coughs> well, Joey Wendell and Brett Phillips. Arasarina's only in one. And you built 20 of them. So now let's go to unique players two and build it. Let's see what happens now. Okay. Let's sort by Rays. Okay. Brandon Lowe's in all of them. Meadows is in all of them. Zunino's in almost all of them. Adamus is in 16. Tsutsugo, 12. Hiermeyer, 10. But Arazarine is only in two. Phillips is in one now. And Wendell is nowhere to be found. Okay, so let's go up to three. Because the unique players, it's, it's, it's shifting more of the unique players like around the stacks. Right? Like your one-offs are moving around, but not... not the actual raise. You're getting a little bit, but not that much. So now we're at three. Unique players, three. Okay, let's go. Okay. You're still getting all the Meadows, all the low, most of the Zanino, most of the Adamas, because they fill weak positions. Catcher, shortstop. Kiermaier, 50%. Tsutsugo in nine. Arasarina in five. Wendell in four. Phillips in two. Okay, that's a little bit better. But if like Austin Meadows doesn't do well, you're dead. Your stack doesn't get in, right? Still not that much. But let's do what we just did before, okay? So I'm going to cap, right? Austin Meadows at 80%. At 80%. Put him at 
Let me do something like this. 40, I make sure to get at least 40% of Rosarina and make sure to get at least 40% that, make sure to get 20% that, right? Just as an example, it doesn't mean, are these the exact numbers I'd use? I don't know, I'm just, this is what I wanted. Now I'm gonna try to build again. Okay, here we go. Of course, it's still trying to give you as much as possible. But now it's a little bit now, now here, now it's a little bit more even. Meadows 90, 18, 18 Meadows, 18 low, 14 Zanino, 12 Adamas, 10 Satsugo, 9 Rosarina, 8 Wendell, 7 Kiermeyer. And and four Brett Phillips. There you go. A little bit, a little bit more different types of race stacks in 20 lineups. Still trying to jam in. It's still, I mean, it's still like all these guys. It's hard to build stacks without them. That's the best point per dollar stack. And you can see here that things you get some different one-offs. You get the same two pitchers because you have to, I mean, you haven't done anything with the pitchers yet. But if you take a look at the projections, so we go to build one. Build one has not no constraints. So it's going to want to give you the highest projected lineups, 122.63, 122.51, 122 122.09, 121.91, right? It's going to give you all the way down to 121.44. So let, let's let, let show the difference, okay? So I'm going to write that down. So 122.63 at the top and 121.44 at the bottom. Okay, that's for build one. With one unique, you can just let it run. Build two. Total high is 122.63. We're still getting that top projected lineup. The low lineup is 121.14. Okay, so we're down 0.3 at the low end of our 20. Go to build three. 122 points. So we're still getting that same one because it's that's the top lineup. It's projected with all that, not not in taking into account ownership. The low lineup, 121.47, which is actually better than the last one, even with three uniques. Build four, okay, 122.63. Low one is 117.06. Okay, so some of these are lower because it's putting in a Rosarina and Wendell in these two lineups, right? Wendell and a Rosarina are lower point per dollar projected. So that the median of your lineup will be coming down. But how many, how many points are you sacrificing? Not much. I mean, you're, you're, you're relying on the fact that the Rays are going to put up 12 runs, right? So in order to get Wendell, in order to get, you know, yes, you're going to be sacrificing median, but Assuming they're also going to be lower owned, right? If the raise of the chalk stack, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't do this. But all the optimizer is doing is trying to get you as many of these. But the, the, these median points don't. You care about ceilings. You care about you're building these for correlation. Should you want? If if the last number of your twenty was like that, the number one was one twenty two point six three, and the last one was seventy eight point two zero. Like yeah, that's all. Yeah, giving up giving up fifty. Yeah, that's probably too lowly projected. Right, five points, no big deal. Ten points, 20, 20 points, no big deal. In order to get line, get the uh, 
other people in your stacks, as long as you're getting the ownership with it. Typically, guys that aren't projected as well are also lower owned. And even you, you go one further. Let's say, let's say you're only playing 21. You're only doing this, and you don't want you don't want to sacrifice that much. So really, the the two guys that are weighing down the point per dollar projection are Wendell and Rosarina. So maybe you don't play them both together, which is kind of weird because they bet first and third in the in the lineup. But let's say, let's just say, let's just say. I'm not saying you should do this, but let's just say. So you group them out. I wouldn't do this, but let's just say. And then we build 20 lineups now. So now the exposures of Wendell and Rosarina have to be separate from one another. So we have Rosarina 8, Wendell 8, but they're not, not going to be in a lineup together with each other. So you could take a look here. Fantasy points, 122.63. So look at that lineup. And the low... The low, it's actually 115.28. It actually gives you an even worse lineup because it's trying to put Brett Phillips in. So maybe we do that. We put Brett Phillips in that in that also, in that player group. This is not something, that, uh, let me just make it clear. This is not something I do. I don't even suggest you do this. Just doing this as an example. Still so going to be probably Meadows, Low, Adamas, Zunino, Tsutsugo. Fantasy points, 121.83. To 117.82. It doesn't really do all that much anyway. But I hope that you can see here, as I delete the group, I don't, and you shouldn't you shouldn't do the, the first and the third hit. You, you should be playing more lineups with them together. But you should see here how better to use lineup HQ. And truthfully, any optimizer. It doesn't have to be this one. To tell it what you want. Give you the lineups that you want. If you're building 100 lineups and you want 20% of the raise as five-man stacks, it's going to give, it's most likely more of those 20, most of those 20 are going to be the five best point-per-dollar projected players from a point-per-dollar perspective. But you don't, we don't play point-per-dollar in DFS. We play for ceiling. So do I care that Arena is 4,300? But as long as he's in my, my Tampa Bay stack, Tampa Bay puts up 10 runs. Yeah, you're right. Arena could lead off and go over six. You're, you're right. It could happen. But do you want to be sitting there going, oh, I played 20 raise stacks and I have zero of this guy. The leadoff hitter. No. Right? And a guy that's not like he's a crappy leadoff hitter. He's a, he's a good hitter. Do I want Joey Wendell in the middle of the order? In a weak shortstop position. Just not in my lineup. Just... The Rays are going to put up 10, 12 runs. And the first the first hitter and the third hitter in the order are the ones with overs. Like, most likely not. Does it mean you have to play them in all 20 of your lineups? No, of course not. But it's going to, it's only going to be, the optimizer just looks at these numbers and wants to give you as much of it as possible until told otherwise. I told it I didn't want as much. I didn't want Meadows in every lineup. Okay, then it's going to say, okay. You realize if I give it, it's going to say, it's going to say to you, it's going to whisper to you, hey, Jordan, you want 20 gray stacks. You, you know that, that the fantasy points would be so much higher if you let me just put in all the Meadows and all the Kiermaier and all the Tsutsugo, you know? But, but you're, you're telling me you only want 60% of that, that, that one guy. Okay, I'm gonna some of these some of these median fantasy points may be lower by a half a point or a point. 
You okay with that? That's what it's whispering to you. It's trying to jam in all the F, F points. But now it, it goes, look, I'm jamming in F points. It's nice and happy. Jamming in F points, jamming in F points. And then it's like, oh, oh, I can't play Kier- Oh, I, I built my last Kiermaier lineup. But I could build a so much better Kiermaier lineup after it. But now oh, you're telling me not to do it anymore. I guess I'm giving you Zanino. It's slightly lower. It's, it's like, a, it's like, it's a point lower. I just was happy jamming in F points, jamming in F points, jamming in F points. So you have to tell it. That's why so many people get tools like this wrong. They think that it's going to do what, tell me what to play, Mr. Optimizer. You know, like it's a wizard or something. Like, no, it's an efficiency tool. You decide what you want to do and then you program it in. And then you run it and you go, did it do what it wanted? Did, did, Did it come out the way I thought it would come out? And sometimes mathematically you get things wrong, right? Like yesterday, if I just said, I, I, I only want 20% glass now in the lineups that I was building, you know, the lineup HQ would spit back at me and said, no, here's 60%. Go, no, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I only want 20%. There's no way that from what you're telling me, there's no way for that to happen. The only way for me to not, the only way for the optimizer not to give me Glasnow is if I took the minimum salary and put it, so it leaves 5,000 on the table. It's like, it's like I, I'm i doing, I'm giving you the five-man stacks you want. I'm giving you the three most expensive one-offs and Kenta Maeda, and you're left with 11,000. So like with it, and, and you're setting the minimum salary to 49,000. Like that, it's, it's going, hello, hello, I have to give you Glasnow. There's no mathematical way for me not to give you glass now. Yeah, if you if you put the minimum salary down to forty four thousand, oh oh, now I can fit in some five k guy and leave five thousand on the table. But you didn't tell me that, so it's going to give me it's just jamming glass now because they, I'm telling it to spend at least forty nine thousand in salary. So I'm not sitting there wondering why I'm getting sixty percent glass now. I know why. I wanted to get as little of him as possible, and as little of him as possible was sixty percent. That's all, I, that's all I care about. Once I saw that, I'm like, I don't know. The only way that I, I would have to then build even more expensive stacks. And I didn't want to even want to do that. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm playing glass now. And hope for raw points. Good luck to me. Let's see. Let's answer some questions before we get out of here. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep the apple juice cold. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Still need some more thumbs ups. Superman's here. Superman, he's here to save the day. Just joining the show. Bankroll management question. Trying to build bankroll smartly. If starting out with $500, how much percentage would you recommend to play for GPPs? I don't know if $500 is a bankroll, truthfully. Can you replenish it? $500 is it's like 10%. At that point, if you can replenish it, then it's really not a bankroll. That's That's the truthful answer. You can replenish it in two weeks and put more money in. Then really, you don't have, you don't have a five hundred dollar bank. You have a thousand dollar bank. How much money can you put in this year to play DFS? If it's five thousand, ten thousand, then that's your bankroll. Alton Burns says, uh, "Wouldn't adjusting the range of outcomes help fix this problem?" Yes, but it also decreases the usefulness of the projections. <clears throat> Once you put the range of outcomes, now it's also going to use that randomness on your one offs on your pitchers, right? It's it's not just increase the range of outcomes on, on 
the randomness of the, the rays, right? If I'm able to do that, then you'd be correct. If I was able to say in that example, give me 20% of, you know, give me 20 stacks of the rays and have the rays randomness at 20%. Yes, then then you'd be absolutely correct. That, that would help. Then certain guys would be projected a little bit higher, a little bit lower. But I don't want to have it done for my entire player pool at that point. Because now it's going to do it for everyone. Like, no, I just want the rays, right? Uh, each stack individually like that. So yes, you, you'd be correct if it was just a raise, but do I want to set 20%, 30% randomness? So, well, I just destroy, I just destroyed the purpose of, of the projections to begin with. Let's see, going through YouTube. Mm, doo, 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 doo. Jimmy Touchdown, is Blender's course free by PDF? No, I don't have a PDF. It's an audio course. 15 hours, theoryofdfs.com. Dario Rosenstock. Hey, Jordan, I asked this question yesterday, but you didn't get to it. What do you do when trying to limit ownership product in lineup HQ? Well, I don't use product. You could use product in Excel, but most optimizers just show some. MLB is so high variance that I don't even mind using some as a tool. I don't. I use these right here, max total ownership. But what I'll do is just I'll build five-man stacks with everything, and then see the differences in, in the ownerships of the lineups that I'm building. And if certain lineups, I go, oh, that lineup's too chalky. I look to see what the sum of the ownership is. I go, if that lineup's too chalky, that means that sum is no good. Give me lineups below that. In another sport like NBA, NBA product is going to be more important. I, product is, is better in, in any sport. But like the differences of, like, well, I'm play, understand that I'm playing large field GPPs mostly. And I'm playing guys, I'm playing multiple guys in my lineup that are going to be single digit owned. So at that point, like what, do I care about product? I'm, I'm unique. I'm leveraged. I'm done. I'm like, like, what do I care? I just don't, I just want a good, I just don't want like a, the stack because I'm playing stacks. So I could play three guys at 4% in a stack, but then the two chalk pitchers and a chalk one-off, that sum may be too much. Maybe I don't want to play all that chalk, even with a 4% owned stack. So I have to see what the sum of that, that lineup is. If that lineup is too high, because what, what ends up happening is that let's say I play a 4% owned stack in my lineup. And then that automatically with the projections give you the highest projected pitcher combination and one-offs. Let's say the pitching combination is high owned and the one-offs are high owned. How do I limit that happening? Maybe I don't want to do that. I don't want to play a, a, a 28% Acuna one-off and a 35% Tatis one-off, even in a 4% owned stack. Now, what I could do is I could go to Tatis and Acuna and, and cap them, right? Make sure I only get 15% of that guy or only 10% of that guy. I could do that. But in a general, I could just use max total lineup ownership. So let's say I have this 4% owned stack here, right? 4% aggregate, you know, in, in, in average. So it's five guys that are four, 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 right? 20 total. Let's say I'm playing two 50% owned pitchers and two 30% owned one-offs, okay? So that's 100 in pitching ownership. That's uh, uh, 
two, like, like play two 30% on one-offs, right? This is a very extreme example. That would be 100 plus 60 plus my stack is 20 plus the other one-off. Who knows what it is? It comes out to like 180-some. Do I want to play that? I probably don't want to play that lineup. Even though I have a 4% don't stack. I have all these chalky one-offs and the chalky pitcher combination. No, but that's 180. And I look and I go, well, if I get rid of 50 here, that's 130. If I get rid of that here, that's 150. If I get, so I'm like, maybe I set my max total ownership at 120. So I can't possibly get that combination. I'm not going to get, I'm not even going to get the two chalk pitchers together at that point, right? Because if the stack is 4%, right? Five times four is 20. Plus whatever the ownership of the other guys, three guys in my lineup is going to be over 20. And the two chalk pitchers, maybe 50% each. Well, that's going to be over 120, which means I'm not going to get that combination. So instead of making groups, don't play the two chalk pitchers together, right? Let's say there, let's say there are two chalk pitchers on the slate. And they're both 50% owned. As long as if I put it and projected to be owned, if I put max total lineup ownership to 100, that's a blunt way of making sure that they never are in the same lineup, right? Because obviously the batters can't be 0% owned. So if one guy's 50 and the other guy's 50, you're already at 100, which means it can't give you those lineups, which means it has to put in another pitcher there. So I didn't have to make a group. I just added up the ownership and go, that type of lineup I do not want. What is the ownership sum of that lineup? Well, I need under that. That this is a blunt way of doing it. There are line of constructions that may still exist like this that you may want, but there may be less of them. That's why product is more useful. But in MLB, especially in large slates, like, dude, you could, I, to me, you could use max total lineup ownership percentage. That's, that's how I do it. Uh, let's see, anything else? What about MMA, for example, Demi? You're running lineups through Excel. Uh, nope, I still do. I still do it the same way. But I also leave a lot of money on the table. Uh, the way that I play MMA, remember, I'm playing for unique lineups. I'm I use Excel to determine like uniqueness of lineups. I'm I'm looking for unique lineups. MMA, I don't care. I don't care about any of this other stuff. It's just basically how many unique lineups can I build, or lineups that are more likely to be unique, or within five 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 dupes or something like that. But a lot of times I'm building a lineup that's 48-4. That may have decent ownership, except for one guy, but it's like leaving all the money on the table. That's less likely to be duped. So I may be playing some lineups like that. I may be playing some lineups that have 49-7. I may be playing, I do that outside of this, like because for, for MMA, like ownership sum is not that, is not, is not, is, is, isn't as useful. MLB on a 12-game slate, to, to, I'm not even thinking about duplication factor whatsoever. Okie doke. So there was a lesson for today. If you want to use lineup HQ and the Roto-Grinders projections, player projections, ownership projections, slate IQ, stack percentage page, cheese is goods, uh, the musings, everything. Premium. Click the link in the description. You get 10 bucks off your first month. We got a 12-game slate today. We got weather, right? Check Roth's, check Roth's weather report. 
We got shows coming up today on the YouTube. Hit the notification bell to know when they go live. NBA Grinders Live, MLB Grinders Live, crunch time for premium members. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see. And we'll review it tomorrow because I'm here. I'm always here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.